0: content, information, and opinions expressed during the related show are those of the show personalities and guests alone and not those of Vic Canellis Media Group, its parent, affiliates, or stations. VCMG Live is not responsible for any content, information, or opinions expressed. User bears full responsibility for their reliance on such content, information, or opinions.
1: Monday night, time once again for Ira on Sports, True Oldies Channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, and boy am I excited for tonight's show because Ira, you're back in studio. I feel like it's been forever. You've been gallivanting around to championship games, Super Bowls. You're back in South Florida, but this wasn't like a a rest week for you. You've been as busy as ever. What have you been up to?
0: Well, I was at the Delray Tennis Tournament, which is this hidden gem here in South Florida. People don't realize this is like ground zero to me of sports because you have all the golf tournaments in here. You have tennis tournaments like the Del ray which is this past week which is phenomenal in miami open and then you have spring training baseball starting you still have the heat you still have the panthers it is just great the daytona 500 is, is going on right now and it's only four hours north so it's really the center of sports universe and so look you know it, it's just so much going on it's
1: great well one of the things i noticed like one of the reasons you love going to del Rey tennis tournament not only because you get behind the scenes and we've got an interview coming up with uh, the champion taylor uh, taylor fritz but you're like you're sitting in the first row at the baseline. Like go to at Iron Sports across social media and see how close IRA is for these. Like you you can't get seats like this in Miami or New York. Or you, you could, but they're gonna cost thousands of you dollars. You really do. you
0: couldn't even get it because they're playing at the stadium is like the perfect stadium. It seats like five, six thousand and is the perfect perfect stadium. There's no bad seat in the house and I fortunate to get sat really close. And it was great. On Thursday, I actually stood outside, had a booth set up, and we were giving away free t-shirts, and I think I gave away like two hundred shirts. I know I wasn't supposed to give that. Many ways. So don't, <laughs> I hope no one's listening for this station. Owners aren't listening. No, no they're way. not listening. I, but but you know, I quit But I had people like they were all following. They know they've listened to the show. They listen to the station because now we go all the way down to Fort Lauderdale, go to Delray. People are excited with the station, with the show. So it was really cool to talk to so many listeners. And I mean, I'm just talking, talking, talking the whole time. And the, all these men's groups and women's groups all want me to come talk about sports to the. That I think Delray, there's community. So it was really a great chance to meet a lot of listeners and a lot of potential. New New listeners. So it was really
1: fun to do that. You were really growing the IRON Sports experience, we, we, putting you face fu- face forward at all, all these events.
0: Yes, <laughs> yes. They want more airtime for you, Mike. A couple of people said, you got to give Mike more airtime. So that was, <laughs> I did get that comment.
1: I'll, I'll be sure to, uh, to talk over you a few times if I can. Um, no, at IRON Sports, like I said, across social media, uh, C. Grant's going to join us around 745, former NFL player, Ohio State. Tell us about him.
0: Well, he w- played at Ohio State, won a national title uh, for Ohio State when they beat Florida, or Miami of Florida. And uh, then he was drafted, went to in the third round by the Saints. And I, want, I thought I'd bring him on because he's a friend of mine. But just to say, what is, what are these... Uh NFL, potential NFL players doing right now? Like, what are they doing to get ready for the combine? What are they getting doing for the draft? Like, you know that this is the most important time where you get drafted, where you get slotted. What are they doing to get themselves ready? And he certainly did a great job being the third round pick in the draft.
1: That's a a great point because you never really hear about that stuff, but there's a big difference between a fourth round pick and a second round pick financially. And like for your future could could depend on it. One good combine run. So it'd be interesting to talk to see and think about what he did in, in in the third round. So the Super Bowl's a week, a week in the rearview rear mirror now. And so we've had some time to process it. And it seems like all the discussions that I've been having with, with friends kind of agree that a lot of this is on Kyle Shanahan's shoulders. And we said it last week right after the game, but now like thinking about it more, like some, some of these decisions really just rub me the wrong way.
0: I'm not so upset though about taking the ball. Now we hear the Chiefs said that they would have they they wanted to get the ball second, like they purposely that's what they were gonna do. So they were happy that the 49ers took the ball first. Remember, in the new rules in overtime, is that if the 49ers would have scored, you know, they scored a field goal, whatever they scored, then the Chiefs would still even if they scored a touchdown, the Chiefs would have had a chance to go down to match. But then you start you start playing, and the first score wins. So Shanahan's thinking, well, if that's the case, I want to have the ball the third time. That's what I'm gonna do now. You hear Mahomes say, well, I would have gone for two. So even if yeah. they would have scored a touchdown, we would have gone for two on that play. So we would never, there would have never been a third. The game would have been over. Or it would have been a third, it would have been there were no third play. So third time that the team would have the ball. So on that respect, I am not as strong against Shannon. I, I see the logic both ways. Where I I rewatched the game, and I'm telling you, I the tooth. as I said last week, the third down plays with two minutes to go in the game. I thought that was the game. Third and four, and they drop they would drop Purdy back. Why not roll him out? You have all these weapons. You have Samuel. You have Iook. You have McCaffrey. And you have Purdy. And why would you drop him back? And that's what uh, Spagnola did. The same thing he did to Brady, where he just blitzed the safety, sneed blitzed right and up the middle and remember when Brady in the Super Bowl against the Giants had his trouble mm-hmm. Brady, but Brady was not mobile Purdy was mobile they should have recognized that and moved to, I don't understand that play I, With just to gain four yards it wasn't third or 14 they gained those four yards the Chiefs remember didn't have three timeouts they had two timeouts they could have taken it at least under a minute when they kicked the field goal but it could have been more they could have just you know, kicked the game out at that point and that would have won the game and then the overtime again the same type of play they blitzed on third down Chris Jones pushes in and, and causes that. And I think it just to me those two plays where you have all these weapons and this is the most important place of his career Shanahan and they were just terrible play calls
1: and it looks like you know someone has to take the blame for this of course uh, Kyle Shanahan is not going to fire himself although <laughs> I hear a lot of people saying that Kyle Shanahan should be fired. I'm not in that camp. I think that's ridiculous. It's think he's a brilliant coach, but uh, Steve Wilkes is going to take the fall here kind of tough coming in for D'Amico Ryans who is proving not only to be an excellent defensive coordinator but an excellent head coach as well Steve Wilkes I still think's a good coach but like someone kind of had to, to, to you know bring this on their shoulders.
0: Well, the defense was very good this year, and everybody can show stats, that the stats were great, whereas maybe better in some respects than they had under Ryan's the last two years and Sala the year before that. So they've had two really good defensive coordinators back-to-back, and this year they were good. But I think if you look at the Detroit game and look at the Green Bay game, the defense did fall apart, and at the end of the year, against the the Ravens, they didn't play well either. So at that level, there seems to be some disconnect, and it's sort of just a fit, and, you know, Siena had to make a decision about that, but I, I agree. Even though you can't just look at the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl their defense played really, really well. But I think they almost lost to Detroit and almost lost to Green Bay, and they did get killed by the Ravens. And you're looking at the end of the year with all these weapons that they have, and they didn't play well. Wilkes is going to get, you know, unfortunately for him, it's so late in the season. Is he going to get another job or not? He was also the Carolina for one year, and then and he did a good, you know, a, a job and sort of got unfairly fired for that job too. So, but no, Wilk I was surprised when it came over. I was surprised, but their defense did not play well those last the last month of the season, except for the Super Bowl.
1: Anything else you want to talk about here at the Super Bowl?
0: No, I think just general, I, I think that the one thing that I think people are not talking about is the, besides Shanahan, is the fumbled punt. 10 6, Kansas City in the second half, you know, they they had gone three and out, three and out, and there's 2.28 left. They kicked the ball to San Francisco, and that fumble, you know, San Francisco would have had the ball, you know, up 10 they, 6. They make it a two score game there, and at least gets they can have a two score game going into the fourth quarter. At that point, that would have been, I just, that fun, you cannot make a special teams there like that. I just think people are forgetting that even happened. Like, I think that was just a major, you know, disaster that the returner, you know, Ray, Ray Ray McLeod didn't say, get away, get away. Like there's, you don't have to return the ball. Just, just get out. You cannot have that. No high school team, college team, any team, Biddy League team, you can have the ball hit like that. It was a terrible mistake at the highest level.
1: No, it, it was. And little things like that in a game like that, the magnitude of those down the line is just, can be devastating and obviously they didn't win that game. NFL drafts around the corner. I'm assuming we're going to have uh, Walter Cherapinski from Walter Football on as we get closer to the draft. He comes on every year. They're those accurate guys. I did hear, though, Ira, a respected draft an- analyst, say this week he would take Jaden Daniels number one. Oh and, he, my gosh. and he would take J.J. McCarthy second. Oh, my gosh. And I thought that was a little strange. I don't know if if I'm in the camp that Caleb Williams is the next Patrick Mahomes or the next, you know, the generational talent that some people think he is, but I'm pretty sure he's going first overall. Apparently the Bears are, are said they've been fielding multiple offers for Justin Fields. Where do we stand here on the draft? Because I do think that there's going to be some of these guys slide and I think we might see a surprise. Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy go in that four or five range. I
0: just am so, I just wanted to say that I'm so excited for the draft this year. It's I a think good one. This is one of the years where you look at, look, Everyone you need to have great offensive linemen. And there are some good off very good offenses. The Penn State offensive linemen is really good. There's no Notre Dame offensive linemen is very good. But I think the idea of, of the interest in the draft is definitely quarterbacks. And when you have six quarterbacks that go in the first round, six. You have Caleb Williams for USC, Drake May of North Carolina, Jalen Daniels of L S U, McCarthy of Michigan, Knicks of Washington, of uh, Oregon and Pennix of of Washington, and the thing is, you've seen all those quarterbacks. This isn't like Trey Lance that we haven't watched. Him. I mean, it's anybody, true. It's a good point. Anybody who's <laughs> followed college football has watched all these quarterbacks the whole time. So they're in they're in the mind. Like it's cool because I'm not looking into Trey Lance and even Zach Wilson. Oh, Zach Wilson. How many people watch? Yeah, nobody B- watch BYU. No one's yeah. watching BYU. I saw them against Coastal Carolina, he had a good game with that. But everyone has seen these players play. Maybe Drake May is the least amount of someone's seen. So I think that that's what I think it's factors. We've all seen these players play. We have a, we have a commonality. Like the NBA draft is going to be a few months after that. And the first like four or five players could be European players yeah. that no one has seen <laughs> exactly. at all. On YouTube. So, yeah, so that's it. And then and then we have the wide receivers like Harrison and Neighbors and Bowers and Adunzi and Kean Coleman. These are all wide receivers from the top teams too. So it's like you're going to have maybe 10, 11, 12 players that everyone's seen. So I'm just so excited to see what happens with this draft. Now clearly, I I mean, I'm just, there's teams that need quarterbacks and I really think all six will be drafted. With the need needed quarterback with some of these teams and you're looking at this and when you know, Mike Tomlin goes, You know our answer to our quarterback problems is in the room. That is, you know, clearly that's not the case. But and I think as you can see, the value of the quarterbacks is you got to You got to go for these guys, and all of them have. You know, they all have big upside, and I think that all six are going to be drafted in somewhere in the first. I'm not going to go one through six, but I think that they're going to go at least. I think you're going to see four. I think the one through four or one through three, and the other three are going to be maybe the top fifteen or twenty. So
1: it's interesting. You know, of course, I follow a lot of the New York Giants blogs, and they're all heavily rumored to be trading into the end of the first round like you know pick 18 or so in for a quarterback they pick six they can go ahead and grab malik neighbors or you know the receiver of the future and then make the move it's interesting to to think about you know, you brought up the steelers and justin fields right now is kind of a hot commodity i'm hearing rumors today minnesota is trying to acquire him i don't think that they would trade him in division but i think that pittsburgh or atlanta makes a perfect landing spot for justin fields
0: yeah, I mean, I think the Steelers with Russell Wilson and Justin Fields are both uh, here names. You know, they, Russell
1: Wilson would be great too. I, just, I think Mike it, Tomlin could. Get him to fit his mold a little better.
0: i was still. I mean, Kenny I, Pickett's not the answer. Like I've watched enough of him, and also he gets hurt. That's another thing. You, you know, it's one thing. Well, he's been hurt a couple t- last two years. Yo, well, that's a problem. Like you've got to be healthy. You know, I think Eli Manning. We don't give Eli Manning enough credit. The fact that he just never got hurt. You yeah. know, Ben was played for as much as he got hit. Didn't get. I mean, you got to be. You got to be durable. You, you can't play the game. Otherwise, we're going to be playing with Mitch Trubisky all the time. So I think that would be. You know, I think a player that no one talks about is Henan Hooker went to Minnesota, and he was from Tennessee. He tore his ACL at the end of the season. Now, he's healthy. And I wonder, you know, if he came out in this draft, he'd also be a first-round pick. So I'm intrigued by where, if, what, uh, Detroit. I think he's actually
1: with Detroit. Yeah, Detroit. Yeah, Did yeah. I say Minnesota? Yeah.
0: yeah. So I say Detroit. So he's with Detroit. So the question is, when Goff was struggling at the beginning of the year, they said maybe Hooker will go in. But I guess that's the, right. So I think the question is We what, both
1: love ending Hooker. Yeah, I
0: think his arm, <laughs> and arm strength. I saw him when Tennessee played Georgia. was fantastic. So uh, some of these backup quarterbacks might be around. He's one that I think if, if Detroit says we're, st- we're going to stick with Goff, then maybe they, you know,
1: they might keep Hooker just just to keep him, but it would be nice to see Hooker after, you know, sitting out of here, play somewhere. We, I mean, we love Hendon Hooker. We love that Tennessee offense from last year. The knock on him is that he's 25. So They're all 25 now. <laughs> like, that's not a big deal for me. If I get 10 years out of my quarterback from 25 to 35, I'll take that. But it's pa- better than being obscure for a decade. But Nix
0: and Panics, the thing is that now all these quarterbacks are older too. So, I mean, Cal Williams is not. He's young. Mm-hmm. But Daniels is old, 25. Uh, Knicks is 25. Panics is 25. I mean, they're all, they've all, they, these are older quarterbacks. So I think that knock should not be, to, it should not be a knock anymore because all these quarterbacks, Cal Williams, are in, the, are in that 24, 25 range.
1: So we're going to catch up with the uh, winner of the uh, Delray Beach Tennis Tournament here in just a minute, Taylor Fritz. It was kind of an interesting interview, Ira, because you got kind of, it was like a whirlwind. You got kind of rushed out. You had to, like, as soon as the match ended, you had to t- interview him, and it's kind of like a like I said, a whirlwind. Well, it was fun because I was so
0: excited because I did. I don't get media passes so much that into these tournaments, but I did get one for this, and it was intriguing to be able to... Know that we had it set up that we were going to come back and do a radio interview afterwards. We had done this in the past with Hubert Herkos and TFO, but because Sunday's match was rained out, the finals was rained out, it was put up to, to today at 12:30. Well, Fritz, they have other tournaments to go to. Like they're flying out tonight, so the media people said we don't have time. Like they're going to just they're going to do standing there, going to do interviews, they're getting a the car and they're going to leave. That's it. So you got you know. So I was like at the last second, I was like, okay. He pulled me aside. He goes, you got like you know four questions to ask him. So I'm like, I at like 20 written down and, but he was the nicest guy to talk to like he was great and I thought it was he was so cool about it so relaxed I mean I think you just played in front of all these people and you won and you played great and, and I thought that was but I love this tournament for so many different reasons
1: so well Leah, let's talk about how he got here it's interesting You'd met, I don't know if you said it on air I think you did or if you mentioned it to me privately that some of these top seeds kind of got like buys into this so it kind of like paved the way for you know the top American man and Fritz to win this well the coolest
0: thing about it is that the, they're seated like four 14, 15 and 18 was uh, Paul, TFO and Fritz are all sort of around the same seedings and the rankings, the world rankings and they're all 26 years old. So we talk about ages, 26 and they're all they all live down here now and they actually lived down here before. I mean uh, Paul, Tommy Paul lives in West Boca. Uh, Taylor Fritz lives in Miami and Francis TFO, TFO just bought a house in Boca. So they're all like in that, in the South Florida area they have n- played each other when they were young and I asked uh, asked uh, Taylor Fritz a question about, you know, when, he, when Paul used to beat him when they were juniors and he was just, you know, he wasn't even in Paul's class at all. And they would, you know, so that was a good question to ask him for that. But so th- I think the hope of the whole tournament was that these three advanced the semifinals and I, in the quarters they did, they all a- actually had straight set wins. And the and there's another American called Marcus Garan, who is, who actually won uh, the, the NCAA title at UCLA a number of years ago. He played great against Patrick Cripson in a match. So you had four Americans in the semifinals and then in the semifinals, Tommy Paul beat Tia. TFO 6262 I was so looking forward to TFO's match because he looked great and I thought he came out but Paul is just I mean, he sort of goes under the heat. His serving was was fantastic. And he, and the first, there was a couple uh, exchanges where they exchanged it like 20 times. And after that, TFO was like, you know, I got to be more aggressive. This guy's not going to miss. You know, everybody plays ping-pong knows back and forth. You sort of get tired after a while. You're not going to keep, you're going to try to hit the winner. And he couldn't get those winners. And Paul was playing so well. Easily won that 6-2, 6-2. And then Fritz played Giron at night. And the first set was 7-6. It lasted like an hour and a half. It was in the tiebreaker. Giron had like three set points. And then back. Back and forth back and forth fritz won that first set and then garan just gave up the second head one six two so that set up paul and fritz for the final today and i mean they were the series record is paul has they played seven times paul was four and three uh has won four to uh to fritz's three and paul was serving at, at one two thirty forty and they call a time violation, and you you know anybody knows you would call a time violation on that. And then he looked like really mad at the umpire because no, it was like the first time violation I think I heard, and I was watching tennis for the whole week, and I never heard of time violation. You wait till the final <laughs> at that key moment, and then he and then he loses that point, so then he loses three one, and then the key thing with Fritz does is he consolidated his hold, weighs four one, and then he served it out to make it six two. The second set comes in, Paul took a break, about 10 minutes, comes back, and he's raring to go. And that second set was fantastic. It was 2-2, and Tommy Paul keeps having these break points on Fritz. But Fritz's serve is so good. And when it looks like, you know, he, at one point it was like love 40 and Fritz is able, like, oh, he's going to get broken. And then he comes back with these serves. I asked him that question in the interview. I like, does it help? You know, sometimes you, someone, we listen to the interview, sometimes it's hard to hear my question. And my question was, do you use your serve to, like, it, does it relax you knowing that even if you're down love 40, you can just come up with these big aces and and do that? And he said, yeah, it helps. <laughs> and I like it. But he said it was harder because it was really windy that day. And then and then again, at 3-3, three, three, again, Fritz is, you know, has break points again him. It's not looking good. It looks like Paul's gonna take control of the match, but Fritz he hangs on at that. At four, and then at four three, he finally broke Paul. Then it made it five four, and then he served it out. I mean five three, and then it was served it out and made it six three. But uh, but it was it was a good win for Fritz. He had won the tournament last year against Sebastian Corda, so it was it's a great. And I just love watching him play. And he's he's like one of those players that has a great serve, not just a good serve, an elite serve. But he also has great ground strokes. So he combines it all. That's like Fed. Had this big serve, but he also has this great ground strokes. And if Fritz can just put that together and keep improving, then he's in good shape. So I thought it was a good win for him. Hey, look, this, any title is important, and it was windy out there, and he and he played well. And, and they had a they had a delay, you know, no no matches on Monday. But I just think Sunday, I thought it was so cool to just that fact that these are young Americans that all live around here that play together and that are just trying to get in that you know top one, two, three, four in the world. And you know, Djokovic's going to retire sometime, and hopefully one of these will will break through. Or all three of them will break through.
1: All right, let's talk to Taylor Fritz here real quick on Iron
2: Sports. Okay, three questions. Right so, okay, real quick question. Your serve, you're able to hold it when well, you're break points against you. You're able to stand it. Do you have confidence that the pitch of service so good that you're able to stand it, uh games? I mean, normally, normally um, when I'm down those, those break points, I do tell myself, you know, all it takes is a couple, a couple of good serves. A bit tougher today with the wins. It, it, it's incredibly hard to. You know, serve big and serve accurate, and it's going to be a good as well. So I could get away with some, some good serves. And then the other ones I had inside the playoff and blind in the morning. You know, the most important thing for me was to, to play those points as the point as possible and just not, not give them anything for, for free. What well, about coming to the net? You improved so much at the net game. There some really good points at the net where you were able to come in there and win some key points. Yeah, I uh, had something to work yeah. on for the game. Years, you know, incredibly long time, and it's one of those things that I, I always do all well in practice, and I get into a matchup. I do it that well, but I'm starting to understand, you know, the balls to do it on, the balls I can't do it on, what what works for me, and uh, yeah, this this whole week I was very successful. And, and could you just tell that story again? You said about the Tommy was playing against you, and you weren't as good as you are now, and no, never, and Francis and him were competing, so you could finish their matches first. Yeah, that's how they told the team it to me was, it was you know, you play these national tournaments, and in the first couple of rounds, you have guys that are. Comparatively to them, you have guys that are pretty bad, and you know you're not going to lose. Uh, I, was one of those, I was one of those guys. I think they were rough. And we went on at the same time they were out in the ring. Right. Maybe like 4-1 or
1: something like that. So that's great. Well, thank you so much. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need picture. Uh, we'll have to get him in studio next time. <laughs> yeah, <I> mean, <laughs> so, so
0: you see, it was windy out there. I'll just summarize the, the answer just for a second. So the, the first question I asked was, of course, about in terms of using his serve, which we when I described about how he was that. And then the second was about his volley. He a lot of these players don't come to the net a lot and he and he said you know I said you now it seems like you were coming to the net a little bit more than you have in the past and he's like I've been working on it for years something I've been doing all the time and he said that he that the key is to pick the points to go into because he's winning all the points when he comes in but he doesn't come in all the time he's not so sort revolving of not the old set but he was he actually in some of these points when 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 uh, Paul just hit like a softball he didn't like try to hit the, he came in and he's good at the net he's tall and he gets his overheads and things like that and the last question I asked him was the fact fact that when he was not good at all, he actually played, you know, he was getting beat by everybody, and he said that T- TFO and and uh, TFO and Tommy Paul were starting this matches at the same time, and they had a bet to see who could finish off their opponent faster, and <laughs> Paul won the bet because he beat his opponent faster than Francis, and his opponent was, was Taylor France, yeah. <laughs> so he beat this, this chump as he called himself, he beat him faster than TFO beat him, so those are my three questions, I know I, it didn't sound so good, but at least we, uh, you know, we'll try, we'll do a better job next time to get a- him <laughs> Like, it's hard. It was windy on the court. Like usually when they do it for the golf tournament, they bring you inside in a room. Yeah. This was right on the court. And I remember I suddenly, the commentator said, well, was there, Was it windy there? I go, yes, you could hear. It was so windy trying to do that interview right there.
1: So It's 724. This is Ira on Sports, true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. C Grant, former NFL player, joins us at 745. And you've got Ira all across social media, at Ira on Sports. And speaking of social media, Ira, it kind of like an uproar today about how much people hated the NBA All-Star game. I I don't have an opinion on it. Like I know they're not going to play defense, but you watch the entire game and this is like Adam Silver can't be super thrilled about the product that he's getting for the All-Star game.
0: And he wanted it. See, the thing is that the NBA, they really have been pushing. They went back to East versus West. I think choosing the teams was the stupidest idea I've ever heard. And now they went back from East versus West. And he really emphasized, this is an important game, like try, try, try. And they had all the Larry Bird and Oscar Roberts in there. And it's not that they didn't play defense. They didn't run the court. I mean, that's another aspect. It's like, you can't just have it seem like someone would go down, what, the East shot 90 Five threes. It's just... It's, a, it's a, you know, the score was 211 to 186. I mean, it's just the craziest number I've ever seen. And it was just, it was insane in terms of what happened. They weren't, they weren't trying. They weren't running. Was, they were just, someone was going down shooting a three. Someone got a rebound. Then they would shoot another three, another three. And no one was even trying to guard the three point shooters. And it was a joke. It was just, it was embarrassing for the, it just, it was in a, it, for a level that people did not expect a lot of. And usually at the end of the game, what happens is it's usually tight. In the fourth quarter, they start to play harder. But the fact that the East was blowing out the West by so much that it you know, it just didn't have that sense. And when you look at the rosters about the West, you had Durant, who played, you know, scored 18, LeBron 14, Jokic, Doncic. But these guys, you know, and George and Leonard, they're these superstars. They didn't want to exert themselves East. You know, when I looked at it, I said, you know, the East doesn't have the big names, per se, without Embiid and whatever. But the fact is, they had younger players that were like Ty- Ty- Tyrese Saliburton This was a big game for him, playing at home. Yeah. This is the first time people got to see him a lot, scored 32 points. Lillard has definitely had, you know, this is the first time he ever started an All-Star game. So he he scored 39 points in out of his eight All-Star games that he's been in. And he's now the only one who's won, besides Michael Jordan, that won an event. He won the three-point shooting contest and the MVP of the All-Star game. So that's a... Nice category to be with Michael Jordan, but it was uh, the East shot on three-point shots forty-two and ninety-seven, and the West shot twenty-five for seventy-one, which is horrendous considering they were wide
1: open, Oh yeah, unguarded. Uh, unguarded.
0: His... I mean, Devin Booker was shooting terrible. I mean, at the the halftime score was one hundred four to eighty-nine. <laughs> one hundred four. That's a halftime score, and it, no, they didn't play extra minutes. They're still playing the forty-eight minutes that an NBA basketball game is, but it was it's a disaster, and I don't know what they do. I the, every has been, you know, NFL went to flag football, baseball. No one seems to care about their game.
1: NHL. Well, baseball, I, I think, is the most competitive. Because prob- those pitchers still want to strike those guys out. Right. Whereas these games, I, I think maybe, mm-hmm. what's the solution? Money? Give everyone two, $2.5 million to the winner or something like that? To give them some incentive to come out here and play hard? Because I would like to see this game be competitive. It'd be really fun to watch. It used to be much more. I mean, I think when you had... When oh, you yeah, have, back in the 90s, yeah. these guys wanted to win.
0: Yeah, when you had when your players like Jordan and Kobe, they're, they're, Jordan and <laughs> Kobe are... there. You saw in the last dance, like, when they were playing with a game against the security guard where they throw something against the wall, like, he's trying to beat the security yeah. guard against this game. Like, Kobe Bryant is not going on a court for any reason and just goofing off. So, again, I think that's the mindset of these players. And I just think it's just that there's nothing. I don't know what... Hakeem
1: yeah. Olajuwon and Matumbo were not going to let you go to the rack in an All-Star game. It didn't no, matter. They were,
0: they were And they were going to run back on defense and do those things. And I just think it was really... The whole thing was weird. And I don't know what they do because it is a signature game. And it's great to see all these stars. And 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 you could see, actually, you know, Silver was giving the trophy out. And they, he was ready to give it to Giannis for the East captain, and he's like, "Uh, I guess you get this trophy because you scored the most points. Not that you won the game, it's just that you scored the most
1: points. Uh, One stat that I've heard today that was interesting, the first ever All-Star game, the combined score for both teams was 159. Uh, This game took 168 three-pointers. That is just insane to think about. Um, One thing I was excited for throughout this week, though, was all the festivities leading up to it, including uh, Steph Curry versus Sabrina Ionescu. But going back to the dunk contest to start there, this was something... Max McClung's the reigning champ, but Jalen Brown's in this. And like, when do you see a real superstar participate in the dunk contest anymore? It doesn't really happen that often. I had high expectations for Jalen Brown, but McClung brings it down again.
0: Well, I, I think that, you know, it could have gone. It's one of the, it's all in the eye of a holder. It's all- Very how, subjective. It's very subjective. I thought the subjective would be, I was surprised they just didn't. Look, McClung is not in the NBA. He's in the G League. Now, they gave him the trophy over Jalen Brown, who is a legitimate superstar in the NBA. I would have thought they'd give it to Brown to encourage more superstars because that's what you want. I think this is what the, this is the problem with how the dunk contest is is that they should put all superstars in so Jalen Brown was going to go in Zion and some other big names. It's weird to have McClung win because now it doesn't encourage. Uh, I think it's great that Jalen Brown decided to do this, and he also scored 40 points in the All-Star Game, too. I mean, I forgot to say uh, Carl Anthony Towns scored 50 points for the West yeah uh, they lost but he scored 50 31 and a half because no was guarding defense he shot 23 for 35 but the point is it, that uh but you know I just think that there is a point where I thought Brown was gonna win just because they were really to give it to him but he had some bad dunks too he didn't he didn't dunk that well but they still could have given it to him over McClung
1: and then you said the the three point contest if you were looking at it, you know because I like to look at everything to bet it's impossible to pick you'd great shooters in this. There's no standout guy here. Uh, congrats to Dame Lillard for taking this down. Yeah, and
0: again, that's what I said. I think Lillard has had this, remember we, we spent so much time talking about Lillard coming to the Miami Heat and where's he going to go and leaving Portland. He goes to Milwaukee with Giannis and they, you know, they weren't playing well. They fired their coach, uh, Adrian Griffin, and they bring Doc Rivers in and they, even though they have like what, the second best record in the East, but it's, they still are far behind. Now they're in third place behind the Cavs and, and, and the Celtics. But I just think it was—Dame Lillard hasn't had a great year. He's been an okay year, but he made the All-Star game, whatever. But now the fact that he won the three-point shooting contest and he won the MVP of the All-Star game, maybe that's going to propel him. Maybe that's going to give him some confidence going forward. It was funny, though. You know, the Pacers hate the Bucks so much. So when they announced Giannis' name, they booed him so much because they because remember Giannis scored like 64 in a game, and then they were mad they took the ball, so he went yeah, in the locker yeah. room. And then they booed Lillard. So it was funny that Lillard and Giannis were both booed like a lot in Indiana.
1: Anything else you want to talk about from All-Star Weekend? Uh,
0: one more thing. Micah Parsons in the Celebrity. What was he doing? I, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys and I watch Micah Parsons, he scored like 30 points. He was dunking all over the place. I'm like, careful. Like, I mean, this is like, you could see Micah blowing out. it. I mean, he looked great. But the fact is, I don't know if I'd want him to see. You're talking about players playing hard. Micah Parsons <laughs> played harder in the Celebrity basketball game than he did in the, uh, in, the, in the Pro Bowl activities and also any of the players played in the game. So I don't think he won the NFL player playing harder than any player played in the game uh,
1: moving over to the uh, ncaa side we're getting dangerously close to march madness i, I love this time of year this is when you start putting a lot of focus in it does look like there's a cream of the crop that's risen to the top of, of the of the college game, and there's one team above all of them, and that's gonna be UConn.
0: I, I said about a month ago I think it's wide open. I now don't think it's wide open. I, Connecticut <laughs> Connecticut's lost two times this year. They lost to Kansas on December 1st, they lost that seat in Hall on December 20th. Since then, they've just been getting better and better and better. Remember the defending champs. Well, they played Marquette on Saturday. I'm like, okay, this is a test. They're playing Marquette. Marquette's fourth in the country. They beat Marquette by almost 30 points. 30 yeah. points in a college basketball game. The number four, one played four. And I know was at home with Connecticut. But I'm like, wow. I think Connecticut is definitely... Because then you look at other things like Purdue loses to Ohio State. How about Ohio State fires their coach, and then the interim coach, Jack Diebler, comes in and coaches his first game. He coached, he beats the number two team in the country. Houston has a big game against Iowa State tonight, which I'm going to watch tonight because they're, they're number three in the country. Arizona's been up and down, but they beat Arizona State by like forty-five points, which is crazy. And Kansas, up and down too. Twenty, they have six losses. Uh, they beat Oklahoma, and then you have Carolina, your favorite team, Tennessee. I like Duke a lot, but you can, and these are you talk about making money. That's some of these. Like Duke is like twenty-five to one to win the tournament, and they're good. Like I think yeah, that's these think can enough. win. FAU has been, you know, they were the darlings last year. They went into the tournament and they were, you know, going to into the final four. But they just, they're out of the top. They're going to be out of the top 25 now. They just lost to South Florida. And they've had these bad losses. Bryant, Florida Gulf Coast, Charlotte, UAB. They play in com- Conference USA. But I think that that, so that'll be intriguing. And how about a team like Gonzaga, who we think Gonzaga every year is like going to be one of the one, two, three, or four yeah, three seasons.
1: NBA players on their roster. Right.
0: They're on the bubble. They might not even make it. And then the St. John's, which was early in the season, and look like Rick Petino did this amazing job. Boy, have you ever heard of a coach criticize his team? He said he called his team unathletic. There he goes, it's not their fault. They're just not good. You know, they lost <laughs> the game. And he was like, and then he goes, this is the most, I've been coaching basketball for 50 years. It's the most unenjoyable season I've ever had. I hate this season. Like none of these players, they should just like, they're done off this team. He goes, I've never hated coaching more than I hate this team.
1: <laughs> Petino's not afraid to say how it <laughs> <laughs> <That was>
0: Unbelievable.
1: <laughs> Talking about the, uh, the women's side of NCAA, Man, it seems like you can't go anywhere without hearing about Caitlin Clark. And she's awesome. I, I, I'm, I'm here for it. But this is as exciting that the women's college game has ever been for me.
0: Oh, I, I'm telling you, Caitlin Clark is just, she has everything. She passed the Kelsey Plum of Washington. She now has three hundred three thousand five hundred sixty nine points. And on the game that she breaks it, how about this? She scores 49 points and has a logo. She was from like mid-court to get the three to break the record. Tremendous. And, uh, you know, they're, they're comparing her to Pistol Pete Maravich. Remember, Pistol Pete. Averaged forty-four points a game in only three years of basketball, and there was no three-point shot. And I think it's weird to compare men's and women's games anyway. But she has to still pass Lynette Woodard of Kansas, who has about a hundred more points than she did, because it used to be the the NCAA didn't rule women's basketball. It was called an organization called the AIW that did. So Kansas was not in the NCAA way. So you got to give Lynette Woodard credit for you know for having this record that they should that potentially have. And then even this one woman, Pearl Moore at uh, Francis Marion, has the all-time record of four thousand. But you know it's pretty it's. Pretty and Clark is so much fun to watch. Iowa's so much fun to watch. And then you have this South Carolina team that is 23-0. They have 42 straight SEC victories. They have 44 uh, in a row at home. They were 35-0 last year. Then they lost to Clark in the Final Four. And then this year, you know, in the previous year, they were 35-2 and won the national championship. Don Staley's team is, you know, if, if we could just get another Iowa, South Carolina, or Iowa, LSU, or something. If you can get South Carolina, Connecticut, Iowa, and LSU yes. in the Final Four, I mean, that would be amazing. <laughs> I was going
1: to say, I mean, we've already had Caitlin Clark versus LSU beat NBA games. If we get that final four, we might see double NBA game ratings. People are really into this rivalry that's kind of popped up out of nowhere in, in the NCAA arguably between that at least it, three of those. Arguably,
0: teams. it could beat the NCAA tournament. I mean, if Caitlin yeah. Clark is in the final <laughs> championship game, it might actually beat the championship game. If it was like, if it was, if it undefeated South Carolina versus Caitlin Clark, or even, Iowa versus the LSU. The rematch LSU yeah, yeah. against LSU. I, I'm the. I mean, I'm watching it. Caitlin Clark is must see TV. It was on Peacock against Michigan, and everyone's buying, you know, buying Peacock to watch it because she's just so much fun and, and watching it. And the game. This is look. This is the. This is a high watermark for women's basketball in terms of how the competitiveness and, and everything about these games in South Carolina is. You know, it's neat to have Clark on one team and have South Carolina being this dominant team on the other.
1: Ira on sports. Drew these channel. I'm Mike Balsamo. Ten minutes. We get to former NFL player C Grant. Ira, we've been kind of critical of the PGA Tour, you know, the last year or so. This past weekend is kind of just not a good look for them, especially in a situation where all eyes are on them. Tiger Woods, first time playing in what seems like 10 years, we're getting Tiger Woods back, And kind of everything went wrong for the PGA Tour this weekend.
0: I mean, this has to be, I'm watching, it was a train wreck and it was totally a train wreck what happened with this because they're like, okay, John Rahm defected, then Tyrell Hatton defected and the lib played and it seems like every lib player and then we're going to play the Genesis though, even though, John Rahm was the past winner. Yaka J- Neiman, who plays on Live, was the year winner before that. <laughs> the other two winners, two-time champion Bubba Watson, he's on the Live tour, and Dustin Johnson, two-time winner, is on the Live tour. So, like all their past champions on the wall are all playing on the Live tour. But this is their signature event. Used to go to the LA Open. It's, I mean, I go to it almost every year. People ask me why did I go to it this year, and I said the Delray opportunity and the Super Bowl, how everything worked out. But I mean, this was this is their big signature. This is their event. This is LA. There's all the celebs. This is everything. Even though I talked to my friends who went, and they said we didn't see any celebs there. At all, especially, yeah. and then what happens? Tiger comes out in the first round and shoots a one. You know, the first round he had five birdies but six bogeys. And then it's like, okay, you know, at least he still got a round. Tread he got around. Treading water. He's tried water. Round two, birdie first hole. Everyone's excited. Then par, par, and then two bogeys, and then a withdrawal because he was in the flu. Now that is just not a good look for you know for everything. Now luckily for it's not an Ill, it's not an injury, it's not a back, it's not all these other things. But you lose Tiger and you're like, ugh, you know, that just deflates the entire tournament. That's what that's the gets the draw mm-hmm. the tournament. Okay, then let's say well at least oh, Jordan Spieth's in it. Jordan Spee shot a 66 in round one. I mean that's great. He's playing great. You know he treaded water sort of round two, but then on 18 he has a double bogey, so that put him a 73. And then he has to run to the bathroom, runs back, makes a mistake, and then he signs the wrong scorecard and gets disqualified. So now you lose Tiger with an illness, and then you get Jordan Speed with a disqualification because he signs the wrong scorecard. And then you're like, okay, well, Justin Thomas is still at it. No, he missed the cut. And you're like, well, what about Rory McElroy? Well, Rory shot a 74 the first round, so he's out of the whole tournament, you know, shooting a set, one of the just barely made the cut, finished twenty-fourth. And so it's like in the other players like Chris Kirk, who is gonna with the defending champion of the Honda, he missed the cut. Wyndham Clark missed had cut, U.S. Open champion. So it was really like um, that first two days made it a mess. And what's so upsetting if you're a PGA is on Sunday, when you sat down on Sunday, some people said, wait, where's the All-Star game? Well, no, the All-Star game's not on Sunday because it's, it's at night. And then they said, well, what else is on Sunday to watch? Well, there's not really that big of college basketball games. Well, what else is on the, I mean, Daytona 500. That's going to air on Monday because yeah. of the rain. They had the whole Sunday themselves, and they and 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 they and then and CBS totally messed it up because Hideki Matsuyama. He is three strokes behind. He was at the start at the turn. He was five strokes back, and then they had Patrick Canale and other people. Luke List, Will Salaris he makes this amazing run six birdies in nine holes while while he's doing all this all CBS is doing is these interviews with the head of Genesis terrible. talking about the cars of Genesis talking about what they're doing for the community and they didn't realize that you know behind you it's like there's something going on yeah it's historic
1: they, back right noise it at
0: all and the next thing you get, come back to a decade it's like well is that a two-stroke lead you know it's like where did this happen and I just this is one of the worst it was everything about it was terrible and, and then then there was no even drama at the end I mean how in the person can go in five strokes behind at the back nine of the start of the night and suddenly the final two holes are just a walk in the park for him it was <laughs> crazy that because then he took the lead and then the other he was so far ahead no one could catch him because Zala Terrace and List and Hard enough. and and Shoffley who at one point was a conjection then he had three bogeys and Patrick Canale who's not like one of the most exciting golfers in the world he had a, he blew his five stroke lead and then Scotty Scheffler did nothing again you know he is he was a tenth place eight under but it was like one of those things where it was what a weird tournament and just the coverage was bad no time. Tiger, No Rory involved in it, no Justin Thomas, no Jordan Spieth, just really a bad look. I mean, this is what this was their event for them to show how great the PGA tour is, and it was a mess. It,
1: I was really rooting for Will Zalatoris too. And I, I wasn't, I'm glad I didn't watch. I was watching the uh, NHL Stadium series, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but like you keep watching, like, Cantley is usually a pretty decent player. Player on a Sunday, he just crumbles on Sunday. Lets all these guys back in, but Will Zalatoris was seven strokes off on starting Saturday. Now he looks like he could win this, this golf tournament. I'm gonna take him in the Masters. I'm gonna take a flyer on him around twenty five to one because I'm I'm excited for his game and it looked like he was ready to do it. If it wasn't for Hideki shooting unconscious, you know, on that back nine, he might have had a shot to win this one, but and he also did, he
0: was had an injury, I mean, he's coming over, he's almost missed a whole year of golf, so yeah. this is, if you could say rust or something like that, that would be one thing and you, that you no, know, I like your pick, I mean, I'm going to go with the live golfers at masters, I'm but I'm still
1: taking Brooks for okay. sure,
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I, I like what you said, I mean, I felt that he had, when you looked at it, you thought that Will did have a chance for that at that end, but it was like Hideki was just, remember Hideki was the 2021 masters champ in Japan, he is superstar, I mean, it's Otani and uh, Matsuyama in Japan in terms of popularity.
1: So we talk about getting it wrong, NBA All-Star Game coverage of this t- golf tournament, and we talk about getting it right. And it's a rare win for the NHL because they seem to never get this stuff right. But the stadium series, they played two games back-to-back, which is smart. You set the ice up once, at least play two games on it. They had the Devils and the Rangers and Islanders. Fantastic weekend for them. I thought the jerseys looked great. They packed MetLife Stadium. Everyone I know in New York was at this game in... 20 degrees, you know, managed to fight it out. But this is a really good look for the NHL. And they got a fantastic game yesterday with the Rangers being down 4-1 to one and winning 6-5 to five in overtime versus the Islanders.
0: 70,000 one night, 79,000 the next day. I mean, 100, almost 150,000 people come to MetLife for hockey. It's uh-huh. crazy. And it's, it's just, and you, know, you said it's the worst seats, and it's impossible to You're watch. 60 yards from the ice. It's crazy. And it's just this stadium series. They have, it, I, I learned that the stadium series is different from, like, the Winter Classic, because the Winter Classic is played on the first, and there's been... Yeah, it's always but, New Year's Day. Yeah, so this has been, there's been 15 stadium series and 14 Winter Classics and something like that. But the next year, the stadium series, how about this, Columbus versus Detroit in Michigan Stadium. Now, that is going to be awesome. A, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, because at Ohio State, they had, I think the record was at Ohio State. State and this will be oh no so oh sorry can I say this right in Ohio Stadium the record was two thousand and fourteen in Michigan Stadium at one hundred five thousand this will be in Ohio Stadium so they might break that you know the similar how they're configured with it so it's going to be in Ohio Stadium the home of the Ohio State Buckeyes so that should be pretty cool
1: you caught something interesting about Yarmir Yager
0: well they they retired his jersey sixty eight at the Penguins game and I thought it was so cool because they had all the players dressed in sixty eight with his number and then they had they wear the long uh, the uh, the heads you know it's like mullet, yeah, like the mullet, so the curly all mullet, the mullet, yeah. And then he skated in warm ups. So usually they retire the number, they're coming out, they walk out, they say hi. He's literally dressed and <laughs> like he's gonna play. They start. I would be not surprised if they started the game and he somehow snuck him was his way into the game and played on the roster. I thought that was so cool. And then the Penguins ended up losing the game, but I thought Yager was always, you know, he played with Lemieux, and I was there for those games, and I thought that was again, that was that was great. It was it was fun how they did that.
1: He's just like the coolest guy in hockey. He still plays. If people aren't aware, he plays for. Tiri Kladno in Czech Republic he's still a professional he, hockey he player he owns
0: the team I think. He uh, yeah, yeah. he's an
1: owner player <laughs> okay. you know that's like a, an 1800s baseball thing like <laughs> I'm the owner of the coach and I play too <laughs> that's Jaromir Jagr he's like a, a folk legend uh, we got uh, two minutes or so so we're going to bring on C Grant you want to talk a little about uh, UFC
0: yes well this UFC 298 was Ela Taporia from Georgia that country Georgia, not Georgia, and against Volksanati from Australia. Volksanadi, this is one of the things you learn in boxing. You people think, I'm gonna go up and wait. I'm like, I'm the champion of my division. I'm gonna go up and wait and I'll be challenge someone. he challenged Islam Makachev, who is definitely the lightweight champion, one that is pound for pound the best uh, UFC fighter in the world. And he's challenged him twice out of three matches and lost twice, and one was very, very close. But then when they go back to their await, it's not so easy. Once you're undefeated, once you're great, and you, you lose anything, I don't care if you go with someone that's two divisions, it's affected him. And and Volkanovski was knocked out in the second round. He's clearly not the fighter he was. And those two losses hurt him. So that was a big win for Taporia to, uh, to upset him. And what I'm excited about UFC, and we're hopefully going to get some big-time guests in the next week or two, March 9th, this is UFC 299. UFC 300 is going to be the biggest UFC of all time. But UFC 299 is going to be at the Kaseya Center on March 9th. So we're going to have, you know, it's going to be Sean O'Malley versus Marlon Vera. It's a Bantamweight title. And Dustin Poirier versus Bernard St. Dines, who's a lightweight title. So there's going to be other good matches. But hopefully I'm working on some. I'm talking to the UFC today. And maybe next week we'll have some of uh, uh, either an executive or we're going to have a, a wrestler on. So I'm excited about
1: that. You're going to go to this one? I mean, we're pretty close. <laughs> yes,
0: I went, I'm, I'm definitely going to go. I mean, it's uh, but I'm excited. I think this is going to be so cool that it comes back to the Gaseya Center. And, uh, you know, so I think that's going to be great.
1: So. I I do believe we have uh, C. Grant on the line. See you there.
3: Yes, I am.
0: Everybody have see. See, well, thank you so much for coming on IRA Sports. I really appreciate it. And the reason why I thought about bringing you on is because you know, I was just at the Super Bowl, and you're talking about all these players that, you know, winning these championships, and this is the highlight, but there are so many players that this is the most important two months of their life, because they just finished their season, they're getting ready now for the combine, and the draft is in April, and and where they get drafted is so important, and you're someone who, you know, starred for the Ohio State Buckeyes, won a national championship for them, and was drafted in the third round by the Saints, so I just wanted you to maybe give us some idea about what you were doing in this two-month period of time to get yourself drafted. Like, what is going on behind the scenes to get ready to get you to improve your draft position and to, you know, to go for the draft?
3: Well I first of all I'd like to just uh, start off by saying thank you for having me on and uh, and also thank you to your listeners. But uh you're right. Um those two months leading up to the draft are very important. Back in 2003, uh coming off of a national championship, uh you're you're at a high. But you have to get locked in and focused, uh getting a sports agent. Uh you need to find out where you're going to go work out and put this work in. And then uh, you you really have to, you know, become focused. You know, I think at Ohio State, we're very uh, team-driven. And so you come off of a season of team, 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 but you have to focus in on yourself. I think everyone has a story, but the main thing is uh, finding out who's going to be your team to help you uh, lock in and, uh, and go for it. Because, you know, to become a one-percenter is everybody's dream. And so when you're that close, you just want to give it all you have.
0: Who did you rely on for advice? Like, you know, you're you're now, you know, it must be tough. You're you're just you're right, exactly. You're the team mindset. You're like, we got it with the national title, you know, we got it. We, we're focused on this, and you win the national title, and suddenly it's like, well, I'm not a team. I mean, you're you're a team of one, which is you're trying to say, what am I going to do to get this high draft position? I'm not, you know, they don't draft the entire Ohio State team and get to go. Even anyway, though some of my friends feel that Michigan should just take their entire Michigan team and have the 33rd football team, but that's we'll start with another story. But how did you put that team together? You know in terms of what you were planning to do?
3: Well, first of all, you have to find, uh, it's just like business, you know, like-minded people, people who believe in uh, in your dreams and what you want to do moving forward. So, uh, you know, coming out of Ohio State, you have brilliant minds like Coach Jim Trussell uh, to get some advice from. Also, you want to lock in with your uh, family. You know, my parents uh, were very big uh, along that process. But uh, once I found a a sports agent, Neil Cornridge, uh, we started putting our team together. Um, I I had an opportunity to reach out to an old strength and conditioning coach and Dave Kennedy, who was uh, big at Ohio State throughout the 90s. And and we locked in. I went over to Pittsburgh. Uh, He was at Pitt. Uh, Michael Dawson, myself, uh, we went over there and put in a lot of hard work, a lot of grueling work. So um, it it is different, Ira. I mean, you you become one business. You, You are a walking business. So.
0: And then you go and you said you go and you train and the training you're doing is not really like NFL type training in terms of playing football. It's for all those combine drills and the, and the dashes and the, and the run and the jumps and those things that really, you know, it's sort of that probably stuff that you weren't doing at all the whole years you were at football. But suddenly you now have to do these, these agility type drills that you hadn't done before.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're you're locked into the different uh, drills that are going to be presented to you at the uh, combine. So you're working on your forty. You're working on your start. It's attention to detail. Um, You're working on your vertical jump. You're uh, working on all types of agility, uh, position uh, drills, because that's going to be a part of the interview process. And so you're you're right, attention to detail, making sure that everything from your start on the 40 to finish in the 40 is, is, is where it needs to be. And so... Uh, I just think that your focus really has to go to the next level. And it's like a window of opportunity. I mean, uh, once it closes, it closes. And you just really want to become one of those uh, draft selections.
2: Yeah, you only get
0: one one shot at the, yeah. the, at the draft. And you said about the interviews, and that's another thing. I feel like, you know, we're talking like Miss America or Miss, you know, some of those things we have. you, But the interview is important. You're going to be talking to these teams at the Combine. They're going to be meeting you. And, and, and what did you, did you do anything to prepare yourself for questions? They We hear about all the weird questions they ask, you know, crazy things but it must have been draining in terms of knowing i'm going to have to talk to i don't know how many teams 10 15 teams and ask and answer a lot of questions
3: yeah absolutely and that, and that's where you have to switch over to a, a business uh, mindset you need your team good around you even uh, my team had me ready for interview questions uh, any type of questions and then the biggest thing they told me from the time we hit indy Uh, Just kind of look at it as the camera's on you. They're going to watch how you walk. Uh, If you're walking with a limp or anything, they're watching you. And so uh, my team basically, it it was business. And so uh, had me prepared every step of the way. But everything, whether it was inside the interview room, whether it was in the weight room working on the 225, but um, it it was just very businesslike. And so that's... That's what I needed uh, as far as my process.
0: I heard a story once where like they had a player, one of his kids was, or one of his friends, uh, like and nephews, went to McDonald's and bought some like McDonald's. So he, so the player was carrying the McDonald's bags and that was viewed as negative because people saw him <laughs> walk around with all this McDonald's and he's like, I'm not eating McDonald's. And people thought, you know, he was, he was asked like, why are you eating, carrying all this McDonald's? He's like, those are my, my brother's kids. Like I'm not carrying any McDonald's. So I guess that, you know, I guess you're right. You're on, you know, your eyes yeah. are on you the whole time when you're, you're there
3: absolutely and and you're right you know you're walking in with a mcdonald's bag they're wondering you know what is your nutrition like uh what is your diet like so again it's attention to detail and you just have to uh, self-evaluate yourself and make sure that you're on point um from the time that you step off that plane until you get back on it
0: when do you start getting a sense? You were drafted by the Saints in the third round. When do you start getting a sense of what teams like you? Who? How is that being communicated? To your agent? Does your agent fill you into everything he hears? How do you like? Do you? Did you? How do you know what's going on? Or do you sort of say just when it happens, it happens?
3: No, uh, had very uh, close communication uh, with my agent. And then you have to understand, too, throughout this next you know, couple of months, you're going to be flying out. At least they were in 2003. You're going to uh, fly out to a different number of teams. You're going to meet with the general manager, the head coach. Uh, you're going to get to see the facilities and whatnot. So uh, the New Orleans Saints never brought me in. Oh, so. wow. wow. Yeah, So I, I was thinking I was headed to like Cleveland or Chicago or something like that, or Green Bay, because those were the teams that brought me in to uh, meet everybody in the front office. And then uh, on draft day, I uh, got the call from Mickey Loomis, Jim Haslett at the time, and the uh, New Orleans Saints. So it, it really is a draft. I mean, you can kind of you know, think that you have an idea of where you're going, but you really don't know until that uh, call is made.
0: Did you get any sense when you went into the Saints camp, you know, why they drafted you? Did they say, you know, we thought you were really impressed of this or we heard some good things. Did you get any feedback like from that perspective after the fact saying like why they did or just, you just assume they drafted you are just happy. If not asking any questions, I'm just glad I'm drafted in the third round.
3: No, no, no. Uh, it, now I did interview with the Saints uh, at Indy. Uh, at the time, the linebacker coach was Winston Moss and um, and and Jim Haslett. And so I was asked questions because I I had a tweener's weight for a linebacker as they felt, and they were like, you know, how are you going to take on ISOs and be a linebacker? And and that was an opportunity for my uh, for me to sell myself on my toughness and, and my approach. And so uh, after I was drafted, that was some of the things that uh, we spoke about. I also had a couple of teammates who were already uh, with the Saints and LaCharles Charles Bentley, who put in a good word for me. Um, And so all of that, you know, they're going to ask former teammates who are already within the organization. You know, there's a whole big time process uh, that goes into it.
0: I know. I I talked to you off air uh, a couple of weeks ago and you you said how, you know, that you speak, do a lot of speaking to youth football and play, you know, everybody in terms of the importance of school and and exercise and nutrition, everything, you know, saying that don't throw away this great opportunity. And you want to expound about a little bit about, about, you know, what you talk to, when you talk to, you know, the use in terms of, of everything about getting prepared and and using sports as a vehicle to advance yourself in life.
3: Yeah, I think you hit it right there uh, at the end. You know, uh, sports is not your final uh, end all or destination. Uh, I always view it and, and even tell, you know, my kids and the youth that I have a chance to uh, speak with, uh, use it as a vehicle to get you from point A to B, to get you around different groups of uh, people Uh, who can help you ultimately uh, reach your God-given purpose here on Earth. And so um, the the big thing that I am doing right now, uh, as far as the youth, is encouraging them. I realize that um, it's a lot different today than uh, when I was a youth. Um, I think parenting uh, overall um, has kind of dipped, uh, from just, just from the real life, uh, situations that I see day in and day out. And so if I can uplift in any way, shape or form, or keep, you know, kids in the game of life and, and not focus so much on the negativity or, you know, some of the stuff that is kind of forced down their, uh, throats with social media, I feel like that is, uh, what I'm here to do overall. And, um, and, you know, Ira, I talked to you, you know, life is full of ups and downs. And so everybody has their amount of pain that they go through. And I just feel like when you're able to take your own pain in life, uh, whether it was good, bad or indifferent, and you can help the next generation or help the next person with it. That's what fills my cup uh, each and every day. So that's, that's, that's where I'm at. And, um, and I appreciate you asking me that question.
0: That's great. That's great. And what, now, I know you said about social media, but is there a way we could, someone can could follow you on social media if they want to get, get a hold of you and ask you some more questions?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I am on Facebook, uh, C-Grant, C-I-E-G-R-A-N-T. And then I'm also on Twitter, at uh, C-Grant. And uh, I would love for you all to uh, come and, and check me out and see uh, what I'm about. And, um, and I, like, I really appreciate this opportunity tonight.
0: Thanks so much, C. I really appreciate you for coming on I Run Sports.
1: Yes, indeed. Thank you. Great stuff there. C. Grant here on Iron Sports. Interesting. Getting. He's
0: also a singer. He sings. He's amazing. Like his face. But, but yeah, you know, we should ask about Ohio State too. Which we
1: really those. <laughs> We'll have to bring him back, yeah. uh, of course. Do we have any results on the Daytona Five Hundred yet? I I'm obviously pushed it. it today. I
0: know, and there's, it's laugh one ninety four, and Rosh Hashanah is leading against William Byron, but we're not. It's not done yet. At least on my on my it, it, that I'm thinking right now, unless I'm behind. But, but they're almost six laps away. I, I was hoping we'd have a winner by the time we're finished. But
1: yeah, it'd be know. nice to kind of let that go uh, on air talk a little baseball here before we wrap this up, Ira. Mike Trout came out this week, and it's weird that we're even talking baseball right now, and it's weird that we're talking about the Angels now that Joey Otani's gone, but Mike Trout came out um, this week and said something along the lines of, I don't want to be traded by the Angels. That'd be taking the easy way out. I'm kind of like miffed by this comment a little bit. Is it taking the easy way? Like, you just had the best player on the planet on your team and couldn't make the playoffs. Maybe it's not the worst thing to leave the Angels. I get that you're... A loyal guy but they've proven that they can't put talent around you and even with the best player on the planet who plays both sides of the ball you couldn't make the playoffs cut and run drought I want to see you somewhere else
0: well, I don't know. Now you're starting. We had Jeff Fletcher on the show who said that maybe his contract is sort of getting to be untradeable. I mean, he had this reputation of being the best player in baseball, signed that $400 million contract. And now maybe he's not as easily tradable. He's untradable. still
1: great when he plays. He doesn't play all that much.
0: <laughs> right. So I think that's the point. But, I, you know, it is a shame. I mean, now we're going to see Otani. But he'll see when Otani's with the Dodgers. I mean, the, the difference between Anaheim and and Chavez Ravine is only like i guess like 50 miles but and when you're driving it seems like it's maybe like 5 hours but it's the gap between the two places is enormous Orange County and Dodger Stadium the Dodgers and Angels it's just it he's Otani's going to be it's it's going to be amazing and the fact is the Angels for a team that's in LA it's just they know in many ways they're not even like the Clippers because they're in Orange County the Clippers are at least in LA and they can whatever so i think it's a it's a it's a problem and i think but i i don't know I, I would like, I like the attitude the Charles is. I'm going to stay and try to make it better and try to figure it out but maybe he will sometime.
1: It, I heard people saying like Artie Marino, the owner of 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 um of the Angels, like is this like a wake up call to him? He's got to like open his 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 wallet up a little bit. Like, there's not that much out there. Like he, Shohei Ohtani was the one to open your wallet for. Of course, they made an offer. It wasn't going to be enough. He didn't want to stay there. But now, you know, things are dwindling. There's there's no Juan Soto's to to pluck off the tree like there's going to be next year. So I, I don't know what the result is. One thing that would help would be if his teammate who got a $245 million contract, Anthony Rendon, could get on the field ever. And it would also be great if, say, he thought baseball was a priority because he came out today and said, yeah, baseball never been a top priority of mine. Maybe Artie Marino would have liked to know that before he handed you $245 million. Well,
0: I, I think, you know, it's, the headline was a little different. So he said he said that his family and, and his faith are top priorities, of course, but baseball can also be a top priority. I mean, it doesn't have to be the number one, but the way he said it was like, it doesn't matter when he doesn't feel like it's important. But again, that isn't that, it, it didn't come across well as all, especially when you haven't played more than fifty eight games a season in the last four years. So that's the that's the problem is he's not playing.
1: Yeah, and, and that's like I heard someone um, on social media today comparing him to to the Joker in in Denver, because Joker said that like this basketball is not my life. I have a family. I do stuff outside this. That can be true. Joker's also. Among the best in the sport and wins championships, you can't stay on the field and you've won nothing. So that's like Joker can say whatever he wants in the offseason. He can go back to Serbia and not look at a basketball for three months. Nobody's going to knock him because he's fantastic when he plays. Rendon, we don't see him play. And when he does play, he's not playing very well. It's just a bad look for someone that career's kind of taken a, a a detour in a direction that he wouldn't want. Regardless, Ira, what are you up to this week? You've been really busy for like six weeks. I don't know what your plans are for this week.
0: Um, I haven't. I think, that's a good question, I'm not sure. Okay, he
1: don't even get back into action until the end of the week. Well,
0: you know, for, for the NBA, also, they get a whole, like a 10 days yeah. off almost. It's such a long break. You know what? My friend, I might run to catch some spring training. They're not having games yet, but I'd like to see some more. My friend is a really big fan. He's down here. Maybe we'll go get a chance to get some behind the scenes for some workouts, something like that, of the Cardinals. That would be fun to do. So, yeah, this is a weird time because there's no golf and the tennis has sort of moved away. So it is interesting. No basketball, but maybe I'll catch a Panther game. I'll check to see when there's are scheduled. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> Let's go to a Panther game. Uh, we are out of time. Thanks so much to C. Grant. Also, Taylor Fritz for joining us. He's Ira on Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.